Not long ago, we talked about having an intention for communion and that way preparing more readily to make a good communion and making a better Holy Communion. Today we'll see why we should also always, always, always have an intention ready for the offertory of the Mass. Now I'll just mention it does not have to be the same intention as what you're going to communion for. The offertory of the Mass, so you should have an intention. So we'll talk about that. To see why we should have an intention always ready for the offertory of the Mass, let's just ask ourselves, why did our Lord institute the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass in the first place? We all know that on Good Friday, when our Lord was nailed to the altar of the cross, that he redeemed us. He gained merit and made satisfaction for us. What's the point of the Holy Mass then? The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is the means that our Lord himself chose to distribute, to apply all the graces, all the merits that he won on Calvary to the individual souls throughout the world, to each of us. The Mass is how he passes out those rewards that he won for us at his passion and death. As the Council of Trent puts it, quote, Our Lord and God offered himself to God the Father once for all, by his death on the altar of the cross to accomplish an everlasting redemption. But death was not to end his priesthood. And so, at the Last Supper, in order to leave for his beloved spouse, the Church, a visible sacrifice, he offered his body and blood under the species of bread and wine to God the Father. And he gave his body and blood under the same species to the apostles to receive, making them priests of the New Testament at the same time. This sacrifice was to represent the bloody sacrifice which he accomplished on the cross once for all. It was to perpetuate his memory until the end of the world, and its saving grace was to be applied to the remission of the sins that we daily commit. Close quote, the Council of Trent. So the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass was to represent the bloody sacrifice which our Lord accomplished on the cross once for all, to perpetuate his memory until the end of the world, and apply his saving grace for all remission of the sins we daily commit. So we can see that our Lord instituted the Mass as the means to apply the merits he won for us at Calvary, and today, We'll start by looking at a particularly fruitful practice to help us maximize the benefit we get from each Mass that we hear. So what do we do? At the offertory, for you little people, that starts right after the creed ends. At the offertory, which starts right after the creed, you fix your intention. Okay, Father, what does that mean to say that you fix your intention? Well, first off, what's your intention? That's the thing that you really want to offer your Mass up for. Maybe it's to pray your grandma has a holy death. Maybe it's to pray you overcome a bad habit. Whatever it might be, you take that intention and you mentally place it on the host, which the priest is offering up for you. The priest offers Mass on your behalf. In fact, at the Sun Mass, it's always the intention is called pro popolo. That's for your intentions. That is, so the Mass itself is even offered for your intentions, okay? But if you don't have them, then you miss out. Okay, so the priest is offering Mass on your behalf. Part of the prayer 
that I say with the host. I'm holding the host up on a pattern right there, and there's a prayer in English. It would, it would be, Receive, O Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, this spotless host for all here present. I'm offering it for every one of you that's present here. That means you. If you don't have an intention, get one right now. Holy death. Can't go wrong with that. If you have a holy death, everything else fades into insignificance, okay? How, if you don't have an intention, get one right now before we go any farther, okay? But now pay attention again. Now, you take, you mentally place that same intention on the chalice, or in the chalice, which again, the priest is offering up for you. Here's part of that prayer. The priest goes over there, water, a little bit of wine, which stands for you to come back. And when the priest is holding it up, in English, here's part of the thing. We offer unto thee, O Lord, the chalice of salvation for our own salvation for that of the whole world. It's in the plural. We offer unto thee. We offer. That's you and I. And I have an intention. But if you don't have an intention, I'm kind of generically offering it for you. Have an intention. You're missing an opportunity if you don't have that intention. Remember, see, I'm the official delegate that's been chosen by God to go right up to the very threshold of heaven there to offer these things. But I'm doing it for you. I'm standing in the place of Christ as official mediator between God and man. That's what my job is. Now, we've fixed our intention. If we place it on the host, if we place it at Charles, do that. We fixed our intention. Now, if you have the intention right now of fixing it, and junior distracts and all that, you're covered, huh? But if it's, you know, if you wait till after the consecration, too late. So if you miss the exact minute, you still keep on it. But come with an intention. Don't randomly go, because you might get distracted. We're weak. If you come here and say, I want to offer Mass for this intention, it'll still count, even if there's a big sonic boom or something. It's not like, oh, darn. You know, the good Lord is trying to make you. If you're actually trying to do something, He'll carry your weakness. But if you just come and you're spacing out, that's not the same. You come with an intention. Okay. Now, right after the chalice is offered up, the priest sets it down. The very next prayer, he says, well, he's bent over. I'm symbolically groveling before God the Father. And my hands are joined together like a slave right there on the threshold, the edge of heaven for everybody. So my hands are joined together like this, and I'm groveling. That's what I'm doing. And I'm praying on everybody's behalf. But what's the prayer I'm saying? Listen carefully. Here's what I'm saying. In the spirit of humility and with a contrite heart, receive us, O Lord, and grant that the sacrifice which we offer this day in thy sight might be pleasing unto thee, O Lord God. Again, in the plural. Where did this prayer come from? I think it's pretty awesome. It's taken from a lot longer prayer in the book of Daniel. The three boys wouldn't bow down to the false gods and the graven image of King Nebuchadnezzar, the, the, the king of the Babylonians. And so they were tossed into that furnace of fire. But they were spared. So they're walking around in this furnace of fire with the fires burning out and killing everybody that tries to get too close to it. They were tossed in there, and they're praying. And while they're praying, they make note, it's in the third chapter of the book of Daniel, that right there, since they're in exile, there's no priests, true priests, offering up pleasing holocausts or sacrifices to the true God. And so they're praying that God might accept them as a burnt offering. Quote, In a contrite heart and humble spirit, let us be accepted, so let our sacrifice be made in thy sight this day, that it may please thee. Close quote, God the Holy Ghost. It's, the words have hardly been changed at all. It's just been modified slightly so the priest can say it in Mass. It's beautiful. So 
What we've just done is we've united ourselves to the Holy Sacrifice by fixing our intention at the offertory. We should make a particular point of uniting ourselves with the priest as he's praying this prayer. Make that prayer of the three boys our own. Because what's the priest asking on behalf of everyone right then? For a truly humble spirit and a contrite heart. And God has bound himself. This is the amazing thing. God has bound himself since I'm his official ambassador and I've got his permission to appear at the edge of heaven representing his son, putting on Christ. As long as I'm doing everything right, not getting creative and a lot of liturgical nonsense up there, he has to listen to what I'm saying. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. Our religion is unbelievable. God puts himself at mercy of men like me. And what are we asking him for right then? Humility and contrition. Humility and contrition, these are absolutely essential virtues if we want to become saints. She's the holiest because she's the most humble. We're asking to be conformed more and more to Christ, to Our Lady, okay? This is our opportunity. The priest is officially asking for us. So what are we thinking? This will dispose us to pray more and more for the action of grace in our life if we unite ourselves to this kind of prayer. Okay? So now we've fixed our intention to offer toward We've made a point of uniting ourselves to the prayer for humility and contrition. Because God has bound himself to listen to his priests. As long as I'm following the rule, God looks down. God the Father looks down. He'll accept that offering I've made on our behalf. But what is he looking down and seeing? A little piece of bread and some wine. But the Father, the Heavenly Father, also sees the intentions that have been attached by each person the priest, and everyone here on whose behalf it's been offered, he sees every one of those attentions attached to that bread and wine, as long as we fixed them. If we didn't fix them, you won't see them. Do you see? It's important for us to do our part. And the Holy Spirit, I, I have a job to do, but so do you. So do you, okay? So as long as we fixed them, God see, looks down from heaven. The Heavenly Father is looking down from heaven at the altar. What is he seeing? He's looking right there, and he's seeing the host of the wine with all your intentions on it. Now here it all starts to come together because what happens next is the priest consecrates the host and the chalice and holds them up on behalf of everyone to show to the Heavenly Father. Think of what this means. Suddenly, by the miracle transubstantiation, the bread and wine are completely gone. Only the accents remain. Only the appearances of bread and wine remain. By the power of the priesthood, as passed down from Christ to the apostles on Holy Thursday, and passed down from them to this very day, by the laying on of hands, a few words are whispered over a piece of bread, and that bread becomes a man, and that man is God. And a few words are whispered over some wine, and that wine becomes a man, and that man is God. Jesus Christ becomes really, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And what happens now? God the Father is looking down, and he's seeing his Son, and his Son is holding up the intentions we fixed at the offertory on our behalf. That's how we unite ourselves to the sacrifice of Calvary at the Mass. The Heavenly Father sees that right then. And he's merciful to us so we can keep doing this day in and day out as long as as we live. Now stop and think about this for a minute. St. Alphonsus says, quote, During Mass, we can obtain all the graces that we desire for ourselves and for others if 
Well, we offer to our, our Lord, to God in the Mass, we ask for those graces in our Lord's name. For then Jesus himself unites himself with us in prayer. Close quote. We need to fix those intentions during the offertory. Then Christ has united himself with those prayers, and he's often up to the Heavenly Father. St. Alphonsus says that by the offering of our Lord to the Heavenly Father at Mass, quote, we offer to God a complete satisfaction for all the sins of men, and especially for the sins of those who are present. But although the Mass is of infinite value, God accepts it only according to the dispositions of those who attend the Holy Sacrifice, close quote. So we want to dispose ourselves, especially during the offertory, and especially that next prayer where we're praying for humility and contrition. Because the more humble we are, the more contrite we are, the more disposed we are. This is a very short period of time. You can do it, you know, but I mean, so we're not asking to concentrate at every moment, because humanly, that's it. But at this point in time, you can do that, and you're disposing yourself in a very effective way, because these are official prayers that God has bound himself to hear. And official prayers of the church are always more powerful than our private prayers because it doesn't depend on the merit of men like me, luckily. It depends on the reality of the, of the, of the, of the sacramental system that Christ has established. Okay, now let's step back from the prayers themselves and make a few other practical notes having to do with our sacrifice. Many people don't realize all the things that we do at Mass that can dispose us towards receiving more fruits. We'll just consider a few to get the general idea. Okay, the choir disposes us towards grace. Not only are they performing a necessary liturgical function, they actually dispose us to grow in holiness. And God rewards the people in the choir for their central contribution. The more external grace or more external glory we give to God, the more grace that flows down off the altar. Okay, the music in the pews actually matters. You actually dispose yourself to more graces by singing. We've stuck to the Mass of the Angels for a long time. Why? So we learn it all by heart. Anybody that's suffered with me long enough knows that I'm no singer, but if you get it pegged, pounded into your head long enough, even somebody like me can hit a note, huh? That's, that's the kind of thing. So what we're doing, we're trying to get it so we can all do it, and singing those parts from the pew is directly serving God. And listening... Listening to the beautiful motets after we fixed our intention at the offertory, for example, is an active way of serving God. Why? Because those are prayers. And they're beautiful musical prayers. They're sacrifices of praise which give external glory to God and are meant to lift us all up. And they'll do that. So that helps us grow in holiness. You know, young guys have traditionally disposed themselves to more graces by serving. Because after the priesthood, that's the next best thing in that thing. That's a particular dignity that God allows the young men to do. Also, things like leading a rosary, being ushers, taking out the collection, singing, all those things dispose us and are means for growing in holiness. How about the ladies? It seems unfair they can't serve. No. Things like the flowers up there every week. Now, those are real flowers, and they're surrounding the tabernacle, our Lord. They remind us in the first place of the beauty of the Garden of Eden. Flowers are this mysterious thing. And liturgically, they've always been something to remind us of the unfallen world. There's something about flowers like that, the mystical significance, and remind us of the world to come. And that's a sacrifice from the ladies in the altar and rosary society. Don't think for a second that our Lord doesn't appreciate surrounding his house with things like flowers, okay? The beeswax candles right there on the altar. The candles for the Easter Vigil, 
the Paschal candle, the baptismal candles, the candles for the churching of women. Those things are all beautiful burnt offerings for our Lord. Altar and Rosary Society. Altar linens, corporals, purificators, and all that. Uh, not only they get them, they clean them and iron them. Uh, this isn't going to, you know, I mean, I'm very thankful for that, believe me. Uh, if you've ever seen me loose with an iron, it's a frightening thing. And, okay, the linen altar cloths that cover the altar, all right? The baptismal bibs. All these things are essential. There's, it's, there's never going to be a day when I'm going to sit around and sell baptismal bibs, and I'm not making fun of it, you know, but it's just not going to happen. It's impossible. I can't return the phone calls, okay? All these things, and, of course, singing all that. These are great means for growing in holiness. And the collection. I don't talk about money, but that's not a, it's not a plug, but that is also. And not just here. I mean, whenever we're supporting the poor or authentically Catholic uh, projects, that's an important thing because we're making a sacrifice from what God's given us. And, you know, I'll just say personally, I don't do that very often because I don't like talking like that. But all these kind of things, you don't know how much I appreciate everything that people here do. And it keeps me uh, trying to work real hard so that we'll get to heaven. Okay. So those are some of the more external means of disposing us towards greater holiness in the Holy Sacrifice Mass. But since the devil hates the Mass above all things, he never sleeps, there's a few things we should consider before we close. We're all fallen sinners. We all need correction. But in a community like this, just like in a family, there's an order to be followed with respect to correction. When order of corrections is properly followed, Corrections are given the proper manner to actually dispose people towards holiness. That's part of the job of the priest to get up here, for example, and preach your way through the commandments. And there's ten of them. So at least one of them is going to hurt. You know, you, you can take your pick, but we're all damaged in different ways. But some of them are going to hurt. Every one of us is going to be hurt in some way by something the church teaches because every one of us is damaged in some way by original actual sin. So there, there's special graces for the corrections done in the proper manner. Okay? And they dispose people towards holiness. But if the order of corrections is not followed, not only does it not dispose people towards holiness, it generally produces discord and sin. It's hard enough taking correction from proper authorities. Thanks a lot to Adam. And that's in spite of the fact that a proper authority has a special grace. It's called the grace of state, which helps them to correct and guide people that are subject to them. We're all kids, and we all know, once some of us are still kids, um, and we all know how hard it was for our parents to kind of adjust us and get us flying right. So if there's a problem around here that really actually needs to be addressed, let the priest know, and we'll take care of it, either privately or publicly as the case may be. But we can't grow in holiness if we don't suppress a desire to issue corrections to those under, not under authority. It's actually impossible. I'll prove that in a minute. I'm not making it up. It's actually part of our religion to kind of keep silent about a lot of things we see. And your holiness is an integral part of my particular judgment, so I'm very interested in it, not just for your sake, but for mine. i got plans. Okay, so I'll get, uh, let me read some important advice from that great Spanish saint and doctor of mystical theology, St. John of the Cross. It pertains to the relationship between minding our own business and holiness. Now, the Catholic Church holds St. John of the Cross up as a sure and safe guide for the spiritual life. So this very slightly edited quote is taken from his work called The Cautions. And these are St. John of the Cross's warnings about the dangers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It applies to anyone serious about growing in holiness. Uh, it's my real prayer that that's everyone in this community. It's a long quote. 
It's important to ponder carefully. I will make parenthetical comments here and there as we go. Quote, Many, through not observing this caution, have not only lost the peace and blessings of their souls, but have fallen and habitually fall into many evils and sins. That's what's he talking about. It's worth repeating. Many, through not observing this caution, have not only lost the peace and blessings of their souls, but have fallen and habitually fall into many evils and sins. The caution is that thou shouldst keep thyself with all diligence from setting thy thoughts upon what happens in the community and still more from speaking of it which may concern or may have concerned someone in particular. Thou shalt not speak of his character or of his manner of life or any of his business, however grave it be, save to that person to whom it is right that thou should speak of it at the appointed time. In other words, we need to keep our minds out of other people's business and not speak of them except to the proper authority. Here would be the priest or in a family, the parents. That's where we start. Unless it's, you know, so egregious, obviously. St. John. Nor should thou ever be shocked or marvel at aught that thou seest or hearest, but should strive to keep thy soul in forgetfulness of it all. In other words, we just drive it out of our mind. Now St. John explains this caution in more detail. For if thou desires to consider any of these things, even though thou live among angels, many things in them will seem to thee to be amiss, since thou wilt not understand the substance of them. Take thou here for an example, Lot's wife, who because she was troubled at the perdition of the Sodomites and looked backwards to see what was happening, was punished by God who turned her into a statue of salt. By this understand that, though, that even though they, thou may live among devils, God wills thee to live among them in such a way that thou not look back in thought at their business, but abandon them wholly, striving to keep thy soul pure and sincere with God, undisturbed by thoughts either of one thing or another. Thou may take it for certain that communities will never be without some occasion of stumbling. Thou may take it for certain that communities will never be without some occasion of stumbling, since there are never wanting devils who strive to overthrow the saints. And God permits this in order to exercise the saints and prove them. If thou not keep thyself, as been said, as though thou were not in the house, thou canst never attain to holy detachment and recollection, nor free thyself from the evils that lie herein. For if thou dost not do this, however good may be thy aim and however great thy zeal, the devil will entrap thee either in one place or in another. And thou art already securely entrapped when thou dost permit thy soul to be distracted in any of these ways. Remember that which is said by the Apostle St. James. If any man thinketh himself to be religious, bridling not his tongue, this man's religion is in vain. This is to be understood no less of inward speech than of outward. Close quote, St. John of the Cross. Very long. Here's the important thing. Even though, even though thou may live among devils, God wills thee to live among them in such a way that thou not look back and I thought at their business, but abandon them wholly, striving to keep thy soul pure and sincere with God, undisturbed by thoughts either of one thing or another. If thou do not this, however good may be thy aim, and however great thy zeal, the devil will entrap thee, and thou art already securely entrapped, when thou dost permit thy soul to be distracted in any of these ways. When we're having these temptations, they're not of God. 
Just as parents are responsible for their children are correct, in this community the priests are responsible. If there's a problem, let the priests know we'll take care of it. Let's close. We're considering ways to take advantage of Mass to make serious strides in holiness. We've seen that not only should everyone come to Mass with an intention for Holy Communion, he should also have an intention for the Mass itself. And these two intentions do not have to be the same. We've seen at the offertory, everyone should fix his intention on both the host and the wine. We've seen that we should unite ourselves with the priest's prayer to grow in humility and contrition. We've seen that after the consecration, God the Father looks down and is pleased to see his son, who is now holding up those intentions that we fixed at the offertory. We've seen that we can dispose ourselves for more fruits from the Mass by assisting with other things that surround or support the Holy Sacrifice, such as serving, singing, or caring for flowers, linens, and such like things associated with the altar. Let's never forget why God put us in the world. Never forget we've been put here to become saints. Starting today, right at this very Mass, let's take advantage of a very powerful aid to help us in that endeavor, a very powerful aid to help us grow in holiness. Let's make a serious effort to fix our intentions at the offertory. We're here to become saints. As St. Alphonsus says, quote, Those who say God does not wish us all to be saints make a great mistake. Yes, for St. Paul says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. God wishes us all to be saints, and each one according to his state in life. The religious as a religious, the priest as a priest, the married as married, the businessman as a businessman, the soldier as a soldier, and so of every other state in life. Close quote, St. Alphonsus, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. God wishes us all to be saints.